Uh, is this thing on? Can you hear me? Welcome to the Gravity Lift Podcast, a mostly entertaining and at times informative place where we get to chat about all the things we love. Music and festival life, yoga and wellness, travel and adventure. We are your hosts, Jordan and Antonella. We just had the opportunity to sit down with Lauren Ruska, who we've known for a few years now. We met her back in the days of Synergy. Yeah, Synergy was this sweet monthly meetup of the minds where people got to hang out and kind of talk about their goals and then help support each other in achieving those goals. Yeah, she created that space, the community, and a place for everyone to be heard, to thrive. And I love that she's taken this into a career path. She's a self-proclaimed millennial whisperer, which we both definitely vouch for. Also has now become a certified life coach and a human connection expert. And one quote that I'll pull from our conversation, just to give you a little teaser, is some of her tips for unlocking your own amazingness. So without further ado, here is Lauren Ruska. How are you, Lauren? I am fan-freaking-tastic right now. (laughs) Yes, you are. (laughs) Thank you for making the trek all the way over here. Oh, it was a beautiful drive. Are you still over in that same spot that we used to do our synergy hangouts? I am in the same spot. Do you love it? Eh. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> I I like it just fine. <laughs> it works. It's pretty close to your job, yeah? Yeah, it's really close. Nice. Every year I go out looking for new housing and every year I stay. Yeah, I thought you were It moving. won't be forever. Okay. So. Okay, well, we also have Jordan here. Hello, everybody. <laughs> we are talking with an old homie, Lauren. Lauren, can you say your last name? Yes, uh, Lauren Ruska, Silent H. Okay, that's how I say it, but I always wanted to make sure that was correct. (laughs) (laughs) It's intimidating, I get it. It is. Well, (laughs) if anyone gets that, it's me. Everybody stares at my name then just goes, uh, uh." actually, at the airport once we had somebody attempt it and he like did a stellar job. Yeah, normally people are just like, Zabaglio. (laughs) Yes, (laughs) that's exactly it. Nailed it. Nailed it. I just say, okay, Close enough. Anyway, I love your last name. Do you know the origin of Ruska? Yeah. Uh, Ruska actually means pear in Czechoslovakian. Oh. And I have a tattoo of that on my arm, which you cannot see. <laughs> Sweet. But people are always like, is that a pear? <laughs> As in like, why does this girl have a piece of fruit on her arm? <laughs> there is a story. Pears. Okay. I yeah. like that. It's great. So how far back is your family check? So I think it was my great-grandparents that came over from Czechoslovakia. It was then known as Czechoslovakia. And um, yeah, and then this tattoo actually is was the logo for my aunt's furniture store Oh, nice. uh, in Salt Lake City. And I always loved the logo and thought it was really beautiful. And one day found out it meant pear and thought, okay, I kind of... I'm going to put that on my body forever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. That's what we do. That's what we do I never thought I would get tattoos. And then when I was in Italy, everything changed. So... Oh. Was there a lot of tattooing going on over there? No, just like everyone in my study abroad group decided like, oh, we're going to get a tattoo. And I was like, no, I can't mark my body forever. The, what? No. And then I'll never forget, I was on the train from Florence riding back into Italy. And I was just, I've got to get a tattoo. Yeah. When was that? Because you just, we were chatting earlier and that was our first 
I, I didn't know you did that. So yeah. to hear, to, can you tell us a little more about that? How old were you? Totally. So I guess deep dive into my heritage. So I have a set of great grandparents that came over from Czechoslovakia and a set of great grandparents that came over from Italy. And it was a dream of mine to, I always was obsessed with Italian culture. I felt like I wasn't really raised with a lot of culture. I had, a, I have a really small family. I never got to meet my Italian grandma. And so I kind of adopted that as my own culture and thought, when I'm in college, I'm going to study abroad in Italy. And when I was a junior in college, I studied abroad in the spring of 2010. Hmm. And where all were you over there? Yeah. So I studied in for the program was really neat. It was divided into essentially two parts. So for the first five weeks, we were studying in Rome in um, Campo dei Fiori, which is basically, it's actually really cool. There's a statue there of this uh, guy named Bruno. And Bruno actually was the person that uh, like told the churches that the world wasn't flat. He's like, no, the world's mm. round. I believe I may be getting my history wrong here, but just stick with me. And uh, Galileo we have a fact checker after this. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Galileo was the one that said he 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 put that forth as well that the world was round. But then the church was like, "You're heretics." And so Galileo was like, "Just kidding. I lied." And Bruno was like, "No, that's the truth." And they burned him alive oh, in no. that square. Yeah. And so there's a statue of a hooded figure. And it's that's Bruno, and he's basically this badass, right? And so that was the that was the square that I was staying in. Every day there's a market there, and the first half of the program we um, were interning with these like art students, and so we got to go to all these museums and nice. very like the city life. And then the second half of the program we were living with host families in Rogliano in Calabria, which is the very southernmost part of Italy. So urban city slicker to Small town, Italy. <laughs> nice. Yeah. So Antonella's dad is Bruno. My bio dad. My bio dad's name is Bruno. So that was funny. When you said Bruno, we were like, what? Dang. Yeah. So the guy we're going to visit in Italy is Bruno. Mm -hmm. And that whole, that whole side of my family. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully he won't get burned. No. He won't. <laughs> no. He's just the reincarnate of Bruno. Oh, okay. Yeah. He knows he knows the world's round. Yes. Because that's coming right back. We've got a bunch of flat earthers in this world right now. Yeah. What is the deal with that? I don't know. Is that still a thing? Oh yeah, it's a big thing. How about we yeah. We'll skip that topic. <laughs> yeah. No need I don't for that. I want to go down that route. <laughs> what well, goes around comes around, I guess. It's just like, like like the cyclical. earth. Like round. Oh yes. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Okay, so I think that's really interesting that you chose to do that. And were you prepared? Um, did you learn Italian before you or did you kind of just freestyle it once you got there? <laughs> there was a lot of freestyling, but <laughs> no, I did take uh, Italian my freshman year. And actually, I think I skipped my sophomore year and then picked it back up uh, my junior year. And so it was, it was like a little bit difficult, but uh, what's kind of interesting too, actually, fun fact for both of you that now that you're going to Italy is that Italian wasn't a formal language until 1870. Oh, geez. So baby language. Yeah. Totally. But the the crazy part is so Italy was conquered and reconquered for I don't know, millennia, right? Thousands and thousands of years. And 
all of them were these city-states, correct? And so just the language has, it. there's just so many different dialects of mm-hmm. Italian in Italy. So for instance, for me, not to brag, but I would consider myself uh, one of the best speakers when we were in Rome. And I felt you know, pretty good about myself. But then going down to the South, I could not understand that. Yeah, they speak a completely different dialect. So it, it was challenging. Yeah. So we're just going to wing it. Well, luckily, we don't know anything. So <laughs> yeah. we're good. Well, we just learned something. Go ahead. No, you Practice. go for it. I already forgot it. <laughs> <laughs> Senza glutine. Yeah. Senza glutine. Si? Senza latosio. Senza oh, latosio. <laughs> so, no, does that mean no? No, it means without. Without. Yeah. Without gluten, mm-hmm. without dairy. Yeah. yeah. That's our vibe. <laughs> oh, geez. I wish not. So, I. I'm just going to segue over to food a little bit because I know that we've talked a lot with you about healthy eating and just healthy overall lifestyle. And where are you at with that right now? Are you still plant-based? How's that going for you? Definitely. Yeah. I have kind of a, (laughs) people hear that and they're like, oh my gosh, you know, good for you. And you're so conscious and whatnot. I'm like, like (laughs) basically what happened was I had acne, you know, all through my twenties and I just started experimenting and when I stopped eating meat, my like big welts on my face went away. And then when I stopped eating dairy, the like smaller zits went away. So I really got into this plant-based lifestyle ultimately for vanity, but then slowly learned more and educated myself. And where I'm at with that today is I would say almost 100% plant-based lifestyle, but there's people that cook for you and other things. I haven't had meat since 2015, but sometimes there's things made with butter and cheese and eggs and whatnot. But yeah, at this point, I I consume with the animals in mind, the planet uh, and my own body, just you know what I put in my body. How does that make me feel? And that's really like, I feel like I'm guided by intuitive eating and intuitive lifestyle, I guess mm-hmm. you could say too. And I think that's always kind of shifting and changing, but yeah, just that yogic aspect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, well, that's what I think is super important is knowing like what works for your body. A lot of people love to go on a specific diet because they're like, oh, this is the new fad diet and that's the way you're supposed to eat. Therefore, you know, I'm going to eat that way. Um, and I know we've, I've had to try a bunch of different diets because of my health stuff, but different ones that were supposed to be this magic pill suddenly you're like oh wait that doesn't work perfectly for my body and so it's just a lot of people say like you know go off meat entirely for the earth and like yeah that's a very good reason to do it but if you're going to end up basically killing yourself because you're not eating healthy you're not taking care of yourself in the right way then like is that the best way to go about it so it's just a super multifaceted thing that you have to do what's right for you in your own way while still having that consciousness in mind of everything else. I completely agree. And I I always tell people like, look, I don't know you and I don't, well, I'm maybe I know them, but <laughs> I don't know your body. I don't know what you feel like when you consume certain things. I don't know, you know, I'm not in your experience. So please experiment. And I think that's the best way to go about just life in general, be a student of your own life and experiment and Uh, To your point, Antonella, one thing that I would like to share is that since I think around 
January, I've been seeing a nutritional psychologist. Mm. And this is a really interesting hybrid. It's a nutritionist and a clinical psychologist, like in one. And the person that I see, uh, her name is Mackenzie. She's known as the inner nutritionist. She's located over in Fremont, uh, Seattle neighborhood. And working with her has really had a huge impact on my life. I have had a past of uh, binge eating, emotional eating, overeating, and they've gotten so much better as the years have gone on. But to really have this psychologist to work with and understand more of like my relationship to food and also get the science behind it, like our nervous system, why, you know, why we choose to eat the things that we do and kind of the roots of the roots of it. And you find that there's not usually just one reason that someone is reaching for food and and why they're doing it and kind of what's going on behind the scenes. So that's been just incredible. And I've learned so much from her in terms of thinking about uh, working with these different Uh, voices within ourselves or these archetypes like a voice like the inner planner and the inner critic and what are they saying and ultimately what the kind of conclusion that I'm arriving at with dieting and all these different things are that at the end of the day are you again it's it's all about are you bringing your body with you Or are you making food choices all in the mind? Mm -hmm. Is it all mental? Or does your body have a voice? And I think for most of my life, I've, even though I was saying that earlier, I've been, you know, consuming food based on how it makes me feel. But also there's that aspect that I think many people find themselves in, which is, I'm going to say no to these things and I'm going to resist. And then that becomes the forbidden fruit and that becomes the thing that you want. And then you know, when no one's around, then you eat it. And this is sort of this, you know, and, and labeling some foods, this food is good and this food is bad. And I can't like, and I, and I was, I was good today or I was bad today. And like breaking out of all of those mm-hmm. concepts and coming into how am I going to make these empowered food choices and consciously connect with my real hunger of my true body and trying to get out of the mind and out of the ego and really eating for for fuel and for for joy and for vibrancy and what does that mean and i mean this is going to be a lifelong rid of road the guilt there's so much guilt around it i mean i know jordan even has moments where he's like well i want this but i'm going to feel bad about that i'm like in the grand scheme of things you eat healthier than 99% of the people out there if you want to have a fucking cookie eat your cookie it's yeah. gluten free it's dairy free there's no <laughs> shitty like sh- sugar substitutes like eat your cookie and <laughs> totally. love it and enjoy it <laughs> like i i was brought up with a lot of food issues and a lot of food guilt and i think just working with clients for years and years and years it helped me on my own path too as i watched those patterns with other people it was a lot easier to recognize in myself and to be like no like i'm not gonna have that kind of a relationship with food i'm just going to and and it comes a lot to the yogic aspect too and we were actually just talking with a student about it it's that self-study svadhyaya aspect of integrating ayurveda and like did the food come from a yogic place did was it 
prepared in a way that was mindful by someone who loves you. So maybe by yourself or someone else, or you're just getting commercially processed food that was didn't have the energy exchange with it that you want when you go put it in your body. And I think that if you look at a food and you have guilt or anger or whatever emotional thing tied to it, and then you put it in your body that resides. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I know actually Antonella like has been one of my forces. For, we chatted about it. <laughs> yeah. For transformation and for understanding myself better years ago. Mm -hmm. And I still remember that and learning about Ayurveda from you. Mm -hmm. So thank you for that. A little jump start. Yeah, this absolutely. I think, you know, again, it was there are all these there's so many seeds that are planted along the way, but sometimes it just things don't click until they click. It's a timing thing. An age thing. Because mm -hmm. we get older, there's there's just concepts that start to make more sense and maybe just hearing it over and over and over. Yeah. Without a doubt. Yeah. Were you always in sort of a uh, attempted healthy mindset, even if the execution wasn't quite there? Were you brought up that way? Your parents on the quote unquote healthier side or? Um, <laughs> uh, it's hard to say. I think that I mean, I don't want to throw my parents under the bus at all, but I don't think we ate very healthy, to be honest. Uh, a lot of goldfish and Doritos mm, and yeah. spaghetti, <laughs> chicken nuggets, all the things. Yeah. That's just like the classic American. Absolutely. Life. Like it's, you know. I think they they wanted to like feed me healthy, right? And that's what they thought was healthy. I mean, like they say like the food pyramid. Like now they're like, uh, flip that shit upside down. <laughs> well, like, the goldfish, now that makes sense. The goldfish crackers box says whole grain nutrition on it, right? So they probably thought that was a that was a good choice. There's whole grains in there. So yeah, I think a lot of it was marketing. Mm -hmm. Parents would think that they were making the right choice and they've got kids or teenagers who are like, Oh, that looks good. I want that and they don't want to deal with the battle, so it's a lot easier than trying to get you to eat Brussels sprouts, which now is one of my favorite foods. Same. Cooked properly. I'm like, I would take Brussels Roasted. sprouts under over goldfish crackers any day. <laughs> so good. Bring it on. Yeah. Yeah, we got to change that relationship with food and change what we understand as being good for us. You've been working pretty hard on trying to understand what your body needs. He'll definitely he'll get done with a meal and he'll be like, babe, babe, what do I need? Do I need more fat? Did I have enough fat in that meal? Maybe I need more protein. I feel like something's missing. What do I need? And I'm like, well. My I problem is that I'm always hungry. <laughs> I will finish a meal and my body's still like, what else you got? Yeah. And it's because you're pure muscle. Well, that's what she always says too. But then I will literally eat until I feel like garbage. And I will just <laughs> lay there being like, I, it, like I, I don't have that kind of relationship. Like I use it kind of like some people definitely have this. I'm not quite there, but I feel like this idea of like, I kind of hate myself right now. Like I just ate so much food <laughs> and I'm laying here feeling like garbage. But then as my stomach's hurting, it's somehow sending a signal to my brain. Like you're hungry, dude, go get some more mm. food. And I'm like, it's just always there nagging. Like what else can you eat? I like, personally think it has to do with this lack of absorption of nutrients. So because of his UC, I think his body is signaling like more nutrients, more nutrients, even though his stomach feels full, he's not necessarily absorbing everything that he's consuming. Or, I mean, not know what it is. But, but then my body just has to process more. Mm -hmm. And it's hard because I'm like her end. It's like, no, you got to get enough nutrients. And I, I totally agree. But if I'm eating that much food and still not getting enough nutrients... And part of me is like, well, am I supposed to just not eat a lot and be skinnier than I am? But that's kind of where like everyone has their own journey of sorting through like what's required in order for you to be healthy. 
and it's tough to find. Um, oh my gosh. Luckily, people talk about it now, though. Like, you can have this free media like we're doing right now on a podcast where mm -hmm. you go listen to these amazing podcasts with scientists that have spent their lives trying to understand this journey and they break it down in a two-hour podcast where suddenly you're like, oh, like, that sounds great. Let's do that. Shout out to the Joe Rogan show. Joe some, Rogan. Of, some of the people he has on there, like Dr. Rhonda Patrick and some of the other. I, oh, I just want to so sit good. there and take notes. I'm like, oh, it's so much good information. But it's always changing. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like I think back of even when you and I met and did our sessions and then even back further from clients I've had for 12 years, shit's constantly changing. Stuff I told them 10 years ago is not relevant anymore. There's a mm -hmm. totally different science and thoughts on it. So uh, good luck if you're if it's not your career and you're constantly researching good luck keeping up on it so i think that's why we need people obviously in the health and wellness field where that is their job where they mm -hmm. are researching and finding out the new science and then hopefully relaying the information on to the rest of the world and to take it totally beyond just health and wellness like i mean i guess we'll take it beyond health and nutrition because we'll stay with with wellness mm -hmm. but in in the entire i don't know aspect of understanding like that's what we need to do is spend more time uh, being open to new ideas and being open to new information and not being stuck in this like oh well i once read somewhere that, <laughs> that this is good that fat for me. is bad and that you need to have that cholesterol fat. is bad for you yeah. and there's just all of this nonsense information but it's one thing to go oh that was bad for me or someone told me that was bad for me and now new science is it's not bad for me so i'm not going to do it most people just are like all right i give up mm -hmm. fuck it i'm just going to eat it's too no confusing fat. yeah like, nobody just... knows what they're talking about so yeah. i'm just going to eat whatever i want yeah but I, and and that extends to all different walks of life and politics and anything else in life that i don't really want to get into but <laughs> very much the idea that if we are just more open minded to like how can i use this information you don't have to use all of the information but what pieces can you like add into your specific puzzle and then you're like okay once these all click together then the wellness thing comes yeah but again like it's i completely agree i think open like being open and being able to just change your mind if you once heard something and then you hear some other new information but the thing is is that actually the wisdom that is the most powerful is inside us mm -hmm. i know this that sounds so cheesy but what i mean is like previously to i don't know even six months ago or whatnot or meeting this psychologist and whatnot i again, wasn't connected to the wisdom that my body inherently possesses. And I believe that if we connected with our bodies more, and again, we're more aware, like, I love what you're saying, like, do you even know what your food tastes like? Do you even like, do you even know that you're eating? Are you just like stuffing food into your face, like as fast as you can, because your life is that busy? Are you just in front of Netflix? And I mean, I'm not saying that I don't eat and like watch TV, I totally do it. But just this idea of being aware of the wisdom that is within our own bodies. And I really think that if there was some more education out there empowering people that, hey, you're actually the authority on you. Mm -hmm. Did you know? Because you are. I think that would be a great, I mean, I know some people know that, but I, I, I would love to preach that out more. And also because like you said, everyone is different and I don't know what everyone's genetic makeup is and I don't know what foods affect them and whatnot but realizing that at the end of the day like again very cheesy but you have the power yeah. and you are the authority on you that's why total random 
side marketing moment, um, <laughs> our 200-hour yoga training, we've recently dropped the word teacher out of it because we think a lot of people look at 200-hour yoga teacher training and think they have to have mm. yoga at a certain level or that they have to have that desire to have it as a career path. And we were like, no, this is a yoga training for you to find your teacher within, how oh. you can guide your life, how you can guide your practice, how you can help other people should you choose. And then maybe if at one point you want to make it a career path, go for it. We definitely have that as part of the modules, but that is not our intention. It's to, you know, produce a bunch of yoga teachers that are going to mm. go teach in studios. We want you to find your own internal compass and your teacher and I don't want you to look at me or Jordan and be like oh tell me the ways how should I teach this what what is Love. my practice and so we yeah we recently took that out and it was a little confusing for a couple people they're like well I wanted to sign up but does this mean I won't be a teacher when I'm done no you'll definitely be a teacher but like <laughs> whether or not you want to go do it, it's up to you um for us and that's where we just kind of really feel that yoga is for everybody and it is literally everything should you choose it to be. I it's your nutrition, that. it's your wellness, it's mm -hmm. your compassionate conversations and communication with your family that you want to like pull your hair out. It's like learning how to deal with your boss, right? It's all of those things. Yes. It's going through traffic and not losing your shit because the person in front of you isn't paying attention, right? It's, it's all yoga. So, Absolutely. Yeah. Wow. I, that, I love that. The inner teacher is so important and it and it really like the the food aspect though is huge because i mean how much do you eat every day and if you're not doing that consciously and with intention you're just putting food in your mouth while you're you know watching tv or whatever and not tasting the food or feeling the food or even thinking about where it might have come from oof, absolutely big. but hot ones is on so I will give you that. On Thursdays, Hot Ones comes out on YouTube, and Jordan likes to watch oh, yeah, that at lunch. I know that show. <laughs> so at lunch, we do watch that. But usually I'm like, can we not watch something while we're eating? But we do like watching Hot Ones. But they're eating food too. Yeah. yeah. And we usually put we on- We watch them eat food that's really spicy. Yeah. And we usually put our hot sauce on when we're watching it. So, so you said you want to kind of preach that information that everyone, I guess- in my own words, is your own guru. Like your, totally. your inner self is always speaking to you. How can you listen? Um, but I think you've already started that path. Um, That's so true. So that being said, um, do you want to give a little backstory for people on like synergy and whatnot on how that whole thing kind of started? Because that was the first time I met you. Did it you was. know that? It was walking into your house for Synergy. And <laughs> so I remember, cool. yeah, I remember Jordan being like, so there's this thing with this girl and I think you would like it and you should come. And I was, my first question was like, is everyone there going to be like 25? Because I don't want to <laughs> yes. be the old person there who's still trying to get her shit together. <laughs> you were the old person. But then other people came. And everybody was super sweet and welcoming. Then there was someone else who was your age. A couple people I think oh, who was come there? through. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That was back yeah. in the day. So tell us about Synergy. Wow. Uh, Your baby. I know. My passion project. I Well, for all the listeners, it's such an honor to be sitting with Jordan Antonella. And whoop, whoop. I've known them for many years now. And they have always supported me on all of my, in my side hustle, I guess I'll call it. And okay, so the origins of Synergy, let me take you back. So in 2014, I was working a corporate job and essentially 
I didn't know what I was getting myself into. And I was working on the launch of the Xbox One. And I went into that essentially working just from day one, like 60 to 70 hours a week. Jeez. And before I knew it, I was so burnt out. And I had lost all my friends. Again, that relationship with food. Food was my only source of pleasure then. It was the only time that I really looked forward to during the day because I was so, so stressed. I was always angry and anxious. And I ultimately just became extremely depressed. And this, this, this didn't happen overnight. It happened slowly kind of over the course of a year. But I woke up one day and I didn't know who I was. And I had... I've always been a naturally pretty positive, happy person, and I was not. I was like the Grinch times a hundred, and I didn't, you know, I didn't like myself, and I was just I was so alone. And so a friend of mine recommended that I try meditating. So I tried meditating, and wow, I realized that I wasn't actually my thoughts, and I could just like observe them, and I started they the meditations often had a lot of positive affirmations and just kind of words that I've never heard before and slowed me down and helped me again to that to the inner guru kind of connect me back to myself and what did that mean and I started to slowly feel better and better and over time I, I went back to that happy self that girl that I knew before but I passed it to experience this higher quality of life and once that had happened, I started to dream about all the things that I wanted to do when I was, you know, a little kid. You know, you're little, you think you can do anything. I'm going to do this and that, blah, blah, blah. And I just, I was just feeling great. And I had devoured so many books on uh, personal growth and spirituality and the meaning of life, et cetera, and had listened to all these podcasts and things like that. And just thought, wow, you know, I am at this point in my life where I went through this really dark time came out of it on the other side and yeah. feel so much better. And how can I be, how can I be the only one that feels this good? Right. And I was 25 and I looked around me and I realized, wow, okay, I've graduated college now. I am friends with people that I really care about and we go out and we have fun and that's great, but that's every weekend. Where is the substance? Where is that juicy, deep conversation? Where are people supporting people? Where are people having goals and moving forward with their lives? And if I couldn't find it, I was going to create it. And I did. And so that was the, I'll never forget, I had a vision at my desk at Xbox in July of 2014. I saw a vision for this group where people would come together and have a community and they'd set goals together and we'd meet once a month. And I sat on it for months and months and months finally started telling people about it. People were like, yeah, that's cool. I'd go. I was like, you would? You would go? And with a little bit of finesse in November and December of 2014, I created the name and the tenets and the purpose and kind of the format and launched in January of 2015. Did we 2015. go to the first one then? Yeah. We're OGs? I did Legit not OGs. realize that. Yeah, we're straight up OGs. Oh, totally. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, we were right there from the beginning. So it just ended up being this awesome group of people that I knew and some people that I didn't know. But and it changed each month. Yeah, there was different people. So it, it kind of grew and evolved over the couple years that it happened. And Definitely. Um, it was just a, a cool way to come and, like you said, connect, talk, but also each person had a chance to speak. 
And that was and, and be heard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And really be heard. Like people were attentive. They were listening. They were receiving information. I feel like that's hard to find. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like now, now that I think back on it, like it almost kind of felt like an AA meeting of like, <laughs> hi, my name's Jordan. Like <laughs> this is what I'm trying to work on. And instead of having to be like overcoming some negative thing, it was like, what's a positive thing that we are trying to work towards? And every time it would be some different goal that we were setting or some different topic that was led by you. Um, And it was awesome. It was this really cool experience to go through. And then um, it kind of grew and evolved and changed. And then you kind of graduated from it. Mm -hmm. What happened then? Yeah. So uh, – Back down memory lane. Love, love Synergy getting sentimental. Yeah, these are my OG Synergy members here. So Synergy evolved. It, I There was Synergy and then I created a like women's group. And then I created uh, actually an entrepreneur mastermind group that had Jordan Antonella in it. And over and then I remember ultimately I went to Guatemala in spring of 2016. And that really opened my eyes. I experienced all these cool workshops that opened my eyes to, wow, okay, I think I actually might have some talents and gifts that I could potentially look towards transitioning into full-time work one day. That really inspired me. I found out you could be a life coach. I like discovered what that was and uh, enrolled in life coach training. And I started that in August of 2016. And trying to, I immediately started coaching people. So then I have these groups and I'm coaching and I'm slowly realizing, oh, and a full-time job, maybe there's like oh, a, yeah. a little bit too much going on here. <laughs> and so then that rolls into 2017. We had a couple synergies then, but it just became clear to me that, you know, we change, we evolve and things that once were don't, don't last forever and to set my sights on new types of experiences. And so with a heavy heart, I kind of shut the door on that chapter. But it's interesting with just doing the coaching bit, I have realized how much I do love leading groups and how impactful they are. And I see the benefits of being a part of a group and also having a coach and being coached and going to workshops and having events and all these different kinds of experiences that can really feed anyone and provide you with just inspiration and connection. And yeah, and currently, so that's, that's the end of Synergy. And currently what I'm, what I'm really curious about and thinking about is this idea of what does it mean to have wellness in the corporate space and that's really where I'm where I'm leaning into and also I've been studying nonviolent communication for since like for about a year and a half now and I've been apprenticing for a while and I'm in a leadership course where I'm developing some of my own uh, materials and that's something I'm really passionate about as well so the interests are continuing to evolve it's my long-winded answer <laughs> Perfect. I like it. I like it. What? So you've been in the corporate world for how long now? So I got hired at Xbox in the fall of 2013. So five years. Mm-hmm. And now you are at Amazon. Amazon. So with a lot of experience then, I would say locally in those fields, what do you think is most needed 
Wow. If you could, if, if someone would give you the best budget ever and freedom to do whatever you wanted in that workspace, like, do you have any, I not necessarily at Amazon, but like you could take a startup company or, you know, one of these bigger ones, but do you have any ideas or thoughts, um, of, of what your initial go-tos would be to help just make it a more productive and healthy space? Absolutely. Uh, that's a great question. I, when you first asked me that, I was like, I don't know. But no, <laughs> you know. No, not that <laughs> I've had a second idea. to like yeah. let it settle in. I think I don't want to uh, prescribe or say perhaps like the exact sort of formula for what I am thinking, but I will kind of tell you the sort of two building blocks that I think are most important and foundational. One, I think, would be types of experiences that are available on site to employees that will immediately reduce stress and bring about promote a immediate like sense of well-being. So that could be your like meditation or yoga that is available on site for people when they're working or some type of uh, fitness class, whatever that looks like, uh, coupled with education on ways to build out your own sort of healthy lifestyle. Maybe that's, uh, you know, nutrition education, or again, this idea of how to, you know, what can you do to be more active and different things like that. I'd see that as kind of one piece. So there's under the sort of healthy lifestyle, like bucket, you can have these experiences that immediately promote wellness that someone can go to at work. Ooh, I feel better. I feel less stress. I can go I, be more productive. Yeah, I can yeah. go be more productive. And also, and then coupled with education as to, hey, like, uh, here's how you can maybe meal prep and here's some places to get fresh food and produce and things like that. And then the other side of things I would say is people are so in need of connection, authentic, real connection with their coworkers, um, kind of developing those soft skills, right? Con uh, communication, communication skills falls underneath this. And from what <laughs> our demogorgon blue agrees. Is, yeah, our blue demogorgon agrees. blue agrees with you. So hey, cute. buddy. And with that also this, so the type of communication that I advocate for and that I, that I teach and facilitate at the root of it is based upon cultivating compassion for yourself and for other people mm -hmm. and then kind of using that to then communicate in a way that is compassionate right so from my experience in coaching people and leading groups and things like that I find people always tell me that they feel so much better and they feel refreshed and I think a lot of it is they are just so starved for this real authentic connection mm -hmm. and the people you you spend more than half your life if if you do work in a like a traditional setting you spend more than half your life in a workplace setting or at work and what you do there and the people that you're with that matters and it affects your health and there's science to back that up so i see that as those two buckets you know focusing on that health and focusing on connection and like what people call these soft skills like you know, trusting one another when you're around them, connecting with people and not like not these type of experiences where like we're going to have this training and we're going to use this PowerPoint and blah, 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 like that. No. <laughs> so. So what do you think about Bezos's balls? 
<laughs> the Sears. Yeah. They're awesome. Yeah. I took my dad there and there's all kinds of, you know, trees and plants. And I love that workspace. I've only been there a few times, but. It seems like kind of the start of possibly having a space where that type of connection can happen. Can you give a little backstory for those who are, think you're talking about genitals right now? Uh, yeah, Steve Bezos <laughs> and his genitalia. Yeah. No, uh, so in downtown Seattle, they built those two spheres um, that are connected and it's basically like a rainforest inside. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never been there. I've just read an article about it, but it seems super cool. There's tons of little like I can lofted take you areas. Ooh, yeah, love go. to go check it mm-hmm. out. Totally. We're overdue for a for so a, awesome. a lunch a lunch hangout. We yeah. know so many people who work at Amazon. Yeah, we just need to get but out there. I would love to go with you because, like, I feel like you would you appreciate that space and you understand the importance of like what that is. Hopefully, like, I guess we'll say getting the ball rolling on. Ooh, <laughs> <laughs> just because I feel like there's there's cool opportunities there, and it seems like they're trying to start something. Absolutely, um, and. Uh, how, I guess, how do you see the ideas that you have incorporating into kind of that, I guess we'll say, foundation that they've attempted to lay at Amazon? Yeah, I think it's been really exciting to watch. Um, I guess not, I guess maybe watch and listen to some extent the rhetoric around work-life harmony and wellness evolving at Amazon and becoming something that the leaders are talking more about. And for me, that's really exciting because all of a sudden, a lot of the things that I've been engaged in for years, I am confident would be beneficial in these corporate spaces. And to be someone who knows what it's like to go to a corporate job and work in corporate America and then also be like doing things on the side to connect people and connect them with themselves and, you know, tell them like they are the authority on them. It's very exciting to be kind of watching these almost these two worlds collide finally and I'm kind of in the middle and I feel like I have a unique perspective and I don't think I answered your question. What? It's fine. More than enough. <laughs> no, it's perfect. Okay. So as, if you're going to go and teach people in corporate America the work-life balance, what are you doing to live it? I saw recently that you took a nice excursion that was definitely out of the streets of Seattle and somewhere a little bit green and beautiful. Yes. Um, that's a yeah great bringing that up. That's awesome. So – this uh, past weekend was, or like on Monday, was my birthday. Happy Ooh, birthday. Thank you. And Will you let us know what you, how old are you? Yeah, I'm 29 now. Oh, you're Jordan of the scene. One year left of my 20s. So if you guys want to get crazy and be irresponsible, <laughs> I have one more year. <laughs> and get away with it and still look cute. Um, <laughs> so, woo! Because after 30, it's all downhill. <laughs> I just feel like you can't get away with as much stuff. Like, I'm in my yeah. 20s. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um, <laughs> for sure. Right? I agree. Yeah. And so I would say that I kind of have, sorry, I was going off in some place in my brain, which is you You said mentioned taking like a vacation. I also have been like off social media and I like mm. felt that was like a vacation. And that's also something that I want to spread like awareness out a little bit more as well because I've been doing more research on the effect that social media has on people. 
and how it actually leads to some people feeling really disconnected and really lonely in that comparison mindset. And I think, you know, I, I've had a hard time getting really addicted to social media. And so I try to like be on it and be off, but it's hard when you run a business, mm-hmm. as you both know. So anyways, that's kind of a whole other thing. But what I did to take a actual like adventure and break from my mind was we went and visited uh, the Ho Rainforest. So for those so of you where that, exactly is that? So I've heard of it, but I've never mm-hmm. been. Mm-hmm. So the Ho Rainforest is the only temperate rainforest in the whole world, which means that it's not hot. So it's like cold, rainy, and gray. <laughs> but amazing vegetation. So where it is when you're looking at the state of Washington, it's essentially in the far like western like upper left corner area and it's part of the Olympic National Park, Olympic National Forest. And there's three trails in the Ho Rainforest. There's two loop trails, which just means that when you start walking on them they loop back around and those are only like a mile each. There's one that's called the Hall of Mosses and the other is called the Spruce Trail and they're gorgeous. And then there's the really long trail that's the Ho River Trail that is, I think, 24 miles. Wow. And the first 16 are relatively flat. I think the elevation gain is like 500 feet. Mm. Um, It's not like a perfectly flat path. Like it obviously has like, it goes like up and down and there's like rocks and like mud and things like that. Uh, but generally what people do is to actually do the whole entire 24 miles, you have to be a very experienced hiker. You need like an ice axe and shoes mm. and gear and you like camp overnight and you like sleep on a glacier and stuff. So you got to be like really up there. But what we did basically is we stopped and then did the two loop trails and then we stayed in a nice like Airbnb cabin that was really close to there. And then the next day, we went back and did the Ho River Trail and we walked in five miles, made it to Five Mile Island and then went back because however far you go in, you got to come back out. Right. And But it's one of, I think it's the most beautiful trail I've ever been on. There's just these huge, huge trees, cedars and spruce and some are like just dripping in moss. It looks like Dr. Seuss fantasy world. There are places where the trail comes out and you're right along the river and you can see the mountains and there's like meadows and all different kinds. I mean, it was phenomenal. We gotta go. I gotta go right now. Let's go right now. It's it's amazing because we just stayed in the Airbnb. I think it was, you know, a little over a hundred bucks split with another person for two nights. And to have uh, Olympic National Forest pass for seven days, it's 25 bucks. I mean, totally worth it. Yeah, you can just go and do it. And it was such a great like, just get out of the city, like reset in nature's incredible trail. The only one like the only rainforest like it in the world. Did they have mushrooms? Yes. Oh, my God. I'm so excited. (laughs) I'm pretty sure I saw a couple agaricons growing on the side of the tree because, you know, they talk about old growth trees. Paul Stamets. Hello. So. Oh, man. Yeah, we went to a mushroom talk with Paul Stamets, and you were there. (laughs) That was, like, one of the best nights of my life. And then... That changed the course of my life. He got a Facebook notification recently that said, one year ago, you were at this Paul Stamets talk, and we were at his mushroom school in Oregon when he got it. We were like, what? You literally manifested that one year later. 
right? It's pretty sweet. Yeah. Mushroom school. I love mushrooms. <laughs> so we've gone mushroom hunting now. So you have to come mushroom Lauren, hunting with us. I would love that. If, yes. if I go take this course next year that he took. So he took it in March and then they do it like two or three times a year. And so I want to take it next summer. You should come take it. So fun. I, would, like I love it. Amazing so cool. vegan food. <gasps> awesome people you get to learn all about like medicinal mushrooms and how to grow them they do a bunch of time in a um a lab a lab and <laughs> then like stuff freaking outside out right it's so it's, cool it's totally worth I it i wasn't with him i was like there but not there i was just like in the trailer doing work and stuff like maybe five minutes away but the last two days i went on one day and listened to the lecture about um, like creating your own teas and tinctures. And I was like, oh my God. He's like, you have to come to this lecture today. And then I went with them to this amazing um, hot springs mm. and we stayed in it for hours. I've mm. never been in a body of water for like three hours straight and under <laughs> moonlight, under a full moon. It was epic. And then the next day we went and did the mushroom hunt and we found morels and we found chanterelles and then we went home that night and cooked this mushroom feast and I was like, this Yum! is so cool. You gotta go. We, we should plan it together. It'd be I'm, really fun to have like, you. I'm jumping up and down <laughs> on the inside just freaking yeah. out. Mushrooms on Sunday we went over to Leavenworth and we looked for some mushrooms. We <gasps> didn't find any morels. That was our goal. We found some cool ones. But I took a found, bunch of pictures. I'll show you. Found a bunch. I found some false morels and some different stuff. Um, but yeah, it'd be fun to figure out a Sunday because you work during the week, unfortunately. But, yeah, but we, like, we'll go on a weekend and yeah. bring her along. In the summer, I can take time off. Oh, well, true. the summer get, is she less has, of She has paid time. days off. Yeah. <laughs> so spring, spring and fall are the good mushroom times. Mm. Uh, so right now is like pop in for like the the morels, the chanterelles and morel. Or I already said that. And what was the other one? Hedgehogs, the little foots. Yeah. Um, so there's more stuff right now than you'll find in the summer because it's Got a little it. bit more dry. You want the wetness. Yeah. Um, and mm. so in the Pacific Northwest, the spring and fall are perfect. So wow. um, maybe in the Fun. near future, you should come with us because I think you would enjoy. It's just awesome to walk around and look down. Yeah. So or it's, up. It's, it's, sometimes so up on trees. For yeah. sure. But what <laughs> I was going to say is like weirdly enough, one of those things is for me like in college, I was always looking down. I had a really hard time making eye contact with people as you walk around. And now we have phones. And so we're always looking down at our phones. Mm -hmm. We're looking down, like, just, like, not paying attention. But then when we go to a rainforest or something, you're looking up. And you're like, oh, these trees. Like, look at all this. is so cool. But then when you actually, like, try to take this macro and make it micro and you look down below and you notice, like, there's mushrooms everywhere. They're like, so we've cool. grown up in the Pacific Northwest. We've lived here forever. I've gone hiking my entire life. I've seen lots of mushrooms in the wild. Yeah, they're cool. I see mushrooms. And then all of a sudden, I, like, learned how to, like, look for mushrooms and keep an eye out. And they're everywhere. And wow. there are thousands of different types of them all the time. And you're just oh, looking and you're like, oh, my gosh, they're everywhere. There's more and than I would have walked through here and not seen a single one of these before. Wow. Yeah. It's pretty epic. I love it's literally why they call it mushroom hunting because you almost like have to get into the mindset of a mushroom and <laughs> close your eyes and get into this meditative place where you almost hear them. I know it sounds really weird, but you can like hear them and then you get low and you just become still and you just look around and it's like that magic eye painting, you know, mm. where there's like an image and then there's like an image within the image and then you're looking at all of this foliage and plants and dirt and trees that look rotted down and then you really look and you're like oh 
Look at that. Oh, look at that. And you find the coolest stuff. And sometimes like people are just running around, you know, just trying to get to the top of the mountain. I'm on my hike. I'm going to get my exercise. Like we can go on a zero elevation hike and make it a quarter of the way, but we're having a blast and we're like finding all sorts of stuff. And we're like, all right, three hours later, we should probably go. But we didn't make it to the quote unquote end of the trail, but that's okay. Cause there's a lot of things to see along the way and a lot of yummy things to eat. If you find the right ones, you don't want to eat the bad ones. No. But- yeah. yeah. So uh, you have a significant other now, right? Did he go with you? Yes. Mm-hmm. So you guys should both just come with us. Yeah, that'd be fun. I'd Double love date. To. Yeah. Can you tell us about? Because I've only known you as single like, forever. You <laughs> you were loving the single life, yeah? Or were you like, no, I want to find a find my person? Oh man. <laughs> mm. <laughs> it's a mixed bag. There, I would say. I. Yeah, that whole like dating world that has been a saga for sure and no i think i think i was loving the single life but at you know, ultimately in some you know as the years go by like you kind of arrive at that place where yeah it would be nice to have someone else that i can share experiences with and i'm extremely af- affectionate and you know i can't really make a lot of sense of it all i know is that i have been so focused on the things that I've been doing outside of work. And so when I look back, there's like a little bit of a sense of, oh, like I'm a little sad that I didn't have like more boyfriends or whatnot. But then I ask myself, would I have had time? Would I be where I am today if I had been on this other path? I don't know. I don't know what the other, I don't know what the answer is. But uh, definitely I was yearning for a partner like more intensely as I hit, I would say like 27, 28. And yeah. Then it just happened. Yeah. I honestly, I I think it happened because I went to a training in Mexico, International School of Temple Arts, the ISTA training that my brother's done. And whatever kind of incredible magic occurred there, I came back and like a week later I met him. So Wow. (laughs) And things have just been going extremely well after that. It's like the best training I've ever done. Yeah. So do you think you just got into – well, what is that training actually? Did did it just kind of help you find the love of yourself and then so someone else can actually be attracted to it? Mm -hmm. It's it's definitely hard to summarize all of what ISTA is all about. There's elements of – you do a lot of re like you do a lot of uh, emotional release work and you learn like different things like breath work and kind of these different archetypes of uh, like what it means to be the brother and the sister and you touch on uh, sacred sexuality and uh, looking at sexuality in terms of our life force energy, our ability to create, and how we've a lot of times in this Western culture, uh, uh, sexual or sex or being sexual is like is a source of shame and guilt, and what that does for people and the sacral chakra to really block them and cut them off from their inherent life force energy, like power, based on all these kind of experiences that they've had in their whole life. And for me, I think. What was really powerful is we talked a lot about the idea of uh, masculine and feminine energy. And if you want to not view it in that lens, you can think of it as uh, 
presence and radiance. If you want to think about it in, in those concepts, that's a little, instead of being so like cis normative, if you want to switch mm -hmm. over into a different way of talking about it. So radiance and presence or masculine and feminine and the type of, it's very experiential. So you do a lot of these ancient ceremonies and rituals and things. It's kind of like hush, hush. They try to keep the experience, uh, under wraps because you don't want to reveal what happens there to someone that goes. And so they have all these expectations in their brain. You really want to go and just dive in. But I loved it because it's seven days long. You do learn a lot of content, but you're experiencing a lot of it. And I think I just, it helped me shift in so many different ways. And the biggest thing that I walked away from ISTA with was the idea of integration and the trap that I had found myself in. I think this is what had happened. And the reason why I might have been single is I had always been single, right? And I longed to have a boyfriend like when I was in high school. My brother's like, Lauren, like calm down. Like it's all good. It's just going to happen when it happens. But I watch all my friends get boyfriends and there's this cultural idea that if you are a woman and you have value, then you have a man, right? Or you're yeah, with yeah, someone, yeah. okay, right? And as much as people are like, no, 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 that's not the case. I'm like, really? Because watch any TV show and any movie, okay? Mm -hmm. And so then I get to college and I'm like, up until that point, I thought guys didn't like me, right? So I get to college, I'm like, oh, guys are interested in me. Okay, this is cool. And I obviously had some fun and things like that and guys were interested and that was great, but still no boyfriend. And, you know, again, I was like, well, don't, don't worry about it. Everyone says, just do me when you least expect it. It'll happen, blah, blah, blah. So then I graduate college and still nothing. And so this is right around the time I'm getting into synergy and these like, you know, concepts around like personal growth and development, things like that. And what I'm learning is that if <laughs> law of attraction stuff, like early on days, if something isn't coming to you, then you must be blocking it. Right. And so then the more that I'm like, not having a partner finding love the more that I'm like okay well it, it must be me I have to fix myself and then I went through years of feeling guilt and shame for feeling sad that I was alone and having everyone be like no 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 like you can't feel sad or upset about it because then you're never going to meet anyone that way and blah, blah blah and there's just this horrible like fucking crazy cycle just goes on and on and on until finally I arrive at ISTA and we learn about these two archetypes and again this is you know cool if you like it and if you vibe with it or if it sounds like hoo-ha to you throw it out no big deal but this idea that one of the core feminine wounds is feeling unlovable and this wound is alive in all of us and it will always be there and because when we're young there are certain things that we have to do to essentially get love or get care from our parents. And the core masculine wound is feeling powerless. And again, that also occurs as a child because in a lot of ways you are powerless, right? And so what they said is oftentimes these one wound tends to be stronger than the other one in an individual. And for me, my unhealthy feminine wound was very strong. This idea of feeling unlovable because being single for so long at a certain point, as much as I try not to deny it and do my fucking whatever, how many affirmations in the mirror every day, <laughs> mm -hmm. there's this idea that, okay, there is something wrong with me and I am unlovable. But instead of 
just accepting that, just embracing that as part of me, I had depressed and I disowned that like bit. And once I learned this concept of integration of all parts, of all, you know, facets of you and accepting and loving them. And if you have a part of you that feels unlovable, like go to her, ask her what she needs, be there for her, comfort her in whatever way you didn't receive comfort when you were young. And that was a game changer for me. Mm -hmm. I was like, all right, fuck yeah, I feel unlovable. Woo! You know, like, what do you need? Like, how can I support you? How can I integrate with you as, as a part of all of me? And, you know, not letting that part run the show all the time, but allowing all these different elements of me to just be inside me. And this totally softened me and just freed me from the chains that bind me of this feeling unlovable and there was something wrong with me and I got to fix it and I got to get to the bottom of it and I'm a life coach and oh my God, and why do I know what I'm doing? Oh my God. And I was like, oh, cool. Like integration. Such a relief, yeah. And right after that, <laughs> so there's your person. Who knows? And your person appears. It's uh, interesting you say we all have both of those things because I would say I identify a lot more with what you're referring to. I don't I don't know that I've necessarily ever felt powerless in my life ever. I've always felt really connected to that side of who I am, but mm -hmm. unlovable for sure. And what's so funny about that is I'm the opposite of you. Like I've had mm. many very serious relationships <laughs> back to back like that. So even though I was in, I had the relationship or I had the person who I thought was the person, but obviously wasn't the person, uh, I still felt very unlovable or unloved, um, even in a totally different circumstance. So like you said, yeah. it's probably just innate and comes way before you even had the thoughts of having a romantic relationship as relationships that were bound to you at birth or beyond or whatever. Do you identify more with one or the other? Curious from oh, yeah, a male. The powerless one for the sure. The powerless, mm. yeah. 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 I'm lovable. And you're like, I'm lovable. <laughs> <laughs> and, it, it was, and in a lot of ways too, I yeah. guess one thing that popped in my head, and thank you so much for sharing that, both of you, that's awesome and Yay, you know, being yeah. real. And I think I did spend a lot of time learning. It's weird. It's like I felt unlovable, but I spent a lot of time learning how to love myself at the same time. Yeah, so it was sure. like it was also there too. So many self-out books. So, so it's just like yeah. it, it was a crazy whole kind of, you know, it wasn't just riding that whole unlovable wave. I definitely was even – amidst maybe some of the cheesy affirmations, there was a lot of getting to know me, honoring me, loving me. Mm -hmm. But still that, you know, there was still that like kind of little voice inside as well. And that's why it's like, it's cool. Like we can have so many different voices inside of us and so many different parts to us. And they're not bad or wrong. They're there. And if we learn to lean into those parts of us and figure out maybe what wisdom they're holding for us, that can really be a game changer, like mm -hmm. I said. So yeah, you've got the intuition inside of you screaming, like, love yourself. Once you figure that out, then you realize other people do love you. But it like takes that like actually listening to that. We've talked about voice. the whispers versus the screams. You know, mm -hmm. there's, there's whispers all the time, but a lot of people aren't listening. And so then when you're not paying attention to the whispers, they get louder and louder and louder. And then you're like, fuck me. I have terrible luck. Why is my life so horrible? No, it's been telling you all along. You just weren't listening. Mm -hmm. And so it got louder and then it got louder and then it got louder. And then you have this big epic, hopefully life-changing moment. But I do think that there's a lot of 
voices, <laughs> intuitions that we could be listening to. Um, do you have any tips for people as far as like helping to connect to that feminine wound or the masculine side of feeling powerless? And, and like you said, I don't think it's a gendered thing at all because I, I know women personally in my life who deal with the opposite, who deal with the powerless feeling. Yeah. And it's, I think was cool. What I walked away with it from what I understood is that these wounds will always be alive and active within us, both of them. And they're going to maybe get activated at certain times. And so I can give you an example from the way that I used to treat it. So when I used to, so for the most part, I would say I was going along and again, it wasn't like every night I was like, oh my God, I'm so alone. <laughs> it was, it was just something where every once in a while, you know, maybe I'd be at a festival, I'd be at a show and, you know, I would see both of you together and not like I wasn't, not that I'm not happy for both of you, but just be like, wow, you know, it would be so nice to go see electronic music with someone that I'm dating, that I love, that I can hold their hand and be with them. And that seems like just a really beautiful experience. And I want that. And some, you know, most of the time, there would be times where I just, you know, I'd go to a show and come home and everything's fine. And then there'd be some that one time where I'd go to a show and see it all around me and go home and just like cry my eyes out. But then I'd be like, Lauren, like, okay, there it is again. Like, you you know, you don't, what I would interpret that as is be, when I was upset is I don't love myself enough. So what do I need to do now to love myself more? Um, okay, no. So <laughs> that shit is gone. Now the whole attitude I am carrying, this is like the integration work is, okay, so let's say that you feel powerless in a situation or let's say that you feel unlovable. It's alive in you. So the first thing that you do is just take a breath okay, I notice I'm feeling unlovable. I notice that I'm feeling powerless. And you don't make it wrong. You connect with it. Okay, like, and granted, you may not be in a place or a space where you can really, like, really connect with it. So let's say you're, so two ways. So let's say you're at work and you notice that it's activated within you. You just, you notice and you're like, okay, like, and you can view that part of you as another part of you or as your younger self, right? Your child self and just be like, hey, I'm sensing there's a lot of pain going on right now. Like, I understand. Like, I'm here. I'm with you. Like, I got you. Okay. And then it, let's say you are in a place or a space where you can actually kind of dig into that right then. You're alone in your room or whatnot. That's when you can sit down and you can take out a journal and just let it out. Give that part of you a voice. Like, yeah, I feel so unlovable and it sucks. I'm in a lot of pain. Let it out. Let it out. You can um, you can sit there and close your eyes and meditate and connect with it. You can go to that part of you, you know, ask it, hey, you know, you can either just say like, hey, I'm, I'm here with you and, you know, is there anything that you need to know? Or you can just be like, like, I got you. I hear you. Like, it's okay for you to be here. Just acknowledging. Allowing yourself to have feelings, to feel the feels. Yeah. yeah. And a lot of times that is enough internal empathy that that does self-soothe. And you can also, if you're someone that likes to talk about these things, you can call up someone that you trust and say, hey, I'd love it. I'd love it if you would just uh, take a few minutes to listen to some of the things I have to say and I'd appreciate it if you just hear me and 
without comment and I'll let you know when I'm finished and you can just set this other person up for success and they can receive you and listen to you and you know put your phones away things like that and actually have that person witness you and then just not say anything and then that can be very like healing but just like letting that part of you just letting them exist like you know that part of those two parts of me are still inside me and it's like cool like yeah be there and you know when sometimes they want to come out and have their moment then you're there to say cool that's fine does that make any sense yeah (laughs) okay (laughs) so i got an important question to bring it back a little bit you mentioned having someone to listen to electronic music with yes uh what is your your man's name you know, I, I'm I not guess, sure if okay, you, cool. I, don't, I don't know if he'd want to be revealed. Okay. Cool. Not be then revealed. he's not going to be revealed. We are going to say Mr. X. Mr. X. That's okay. perfect. So does Mr. X love Eric Prids? Mr. Eric. Mr. X. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Mr. Eric. No. Uh, his, name is, his name isn't Eric. Um, <laughs> I will reveal that. No. Uh, Mr. X does love Eric Prids. Oh, good. Uh, but he actually loves techno. Okay. And I'm the trance queen. So, yeah. but like, it's all good. We're but all that's yeah. cool is because Prids is like a trancier techno in his own way. Exactly. Yeah. Sounds like a perfect blend. And he doesn't not like trance. Yeah. So, and it's crazy because when I was at ISTA, I would said, like, my intention was, I want to call in someone that loves electronic music and loves dancing. And he loves both of those things. Yes. <laughs> he dances. Oh, he loves dancing. Yes. I think that's a little bit harder to find. Sweet. Some dudes are just yes. the, like the head bobbers and they're like, no, nah, I'm not going to dance. But I like that he dances with you because you like to you like to kick it. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Can you kick it? Can you kick it? Well, and I, I think it's nice, too, that you don't necessarily have like the exact same music taste because he'll pull you into yeah. some things that you haven't maybe encountered and then vice versa. And, and Jordan pulled me along for the ride. And I'm pretty much open to whatever. I love all types of music, but he's usually got my back pretty well on that. He's like, oh, we're going to go listen to this. And then I kind of do that for him in the yoga world because I have a few more years on him. And so if we go to yoga festivals, he's like, you're in charge. Like you're picking what we're going to go see and what f- classes and workshops we're going to do. He's like, show me the way. <laughs> so, yeah, I've always been I that love way, that. like EDC or other festivals. I've always been like the He's leader. the planner, yeah. It's me. I'm like, we're going to go see this person and this person. And I take a consensus. Like who are we all going to see? But like once that moment comes, it's like, all right, we're all going here and then we're going here. So when we go do yoga stuff, I'm like, take the lead. Jesus, take the wheel. Jesus, take the wheel. <laughs> Let's go. Yeah, he's in charge of that one. Well, we want to meet this Mr. X. Yeah. yeah. I'm I'm actually we're going to movement oh, in fun. Detroit. We definitely talked about that one. And I've Ugh. never been to yeah. that festival and I'm a little intimidated because it is like techno and whatnot. Techno. And <laughs> like, hmm, can I hang with the cool kids? Oh, you I don't can. know. Oh, you can. You're gonna love it. <laughs> you can hang with the cool That's kids. That's pretty soon, right? In June? It's a uh, Memorial Day nice. weekend. Oh, it's Memorial Weekend. Yeah. We were like really, we were almost really close to going. I would love yeah. if you would go. We yeah. got too much stuff Memorial Day weekend. Now. We're teaching, yeah. We're teaching at Monkey Laugh. Oh, cool. Yeah, Jordan's yeah. gonna play. So we got some fun stuff planned, but yeah, movement. This was like we've spent or I've spent so many years in festivals, and then bringing Antonella into festivals, and then we do yoga festivals on top of it, and we do the yoga. Oh, shush, blue. <laughs> <laughs> So we do the yoga and the music and we've gone to all these things and then yeah. then like we kind of evolve and new festivals come and you're like, oh, wait, I've already done that one like five times. Like I want to go do this new cool festival. So I'm always like 
I guess we'll say in the know in my own way of like what festival do I want to go to? And I found these ones. I'm like, I want to go to those. And then we look at like real life and we're like, um, but we got to make money and we have to do this and we have to do that. And we're already doing this and we're already doing that. So we're like really having to be smart about it these days because like we have to do a lot. But so it's it's been tough to see these festivals. And I'm like, I really want to go to that. Just not this year. Yeah, right now we're still in the mindset of if we aren't working the festival, we're probably not going. So Mm -hmm. movement right now, I think they have a little bit of yoga, but it's like smaller local yoga teachers. They don't Mm -hmm. necessarily like have application process and hire out from all around. Um, Yeah, I heard it's it's just homies. And that's what we Mm -hmm. talked about earlier before the podcast is it's really like if you're going to throw a festival, you're going to throw a festival with your homies. And so they're like, yeah, well, we've got, you know, our friend here who teaches yoga. So they're going to come teach yoga. (laughs) Is he being a weirdo over there? I think he's asleep. Do you hear him growling? Yeah. Go look at his face. His head is wedged under the ottoman, and he—I think he's asleep, growling. Oh no! Oh, one, were you just, just once I lift the chair, that dog is all up. Oh, he follows he's just me around to get, like a shadow. Well, if he's getting bored, that means we probably have to start wrap it up. But I have some questions from our audience. Ooh, yeah, for, I love questions. Are you okay for some questions? Of course. Okay, we're just gonna have a whiny dog here in the background. It sounds mm-hmm. like. Let me see here. I won't necessarily ask you or let you know who asked these questions mm. oh and uh, not You'll only find do we out have, on social media later. not only do we have questions we have people who said ditto to this question so there's other people who've read the question that also <laughs> want to know the answers now there's like extra pressure excellent so you've been kind of um called um the millennial whisperer and mm-hmm. so i posted self-proclaimed a, self-proclaimed well, well we'll vouch for that too so we uh put a question out on facebook right before we started asking um, what kind of questions people were curious about. And so one of the questions from our audience that um, I think is a great one, because I've dealt with this actually in my life a few different times, uh, and I have not always handled it well, I will admit. Is there any good way to break up with a friend? Is there any good way to break up with a friend? That is an excellent question, and it's going to vary on a case-by-case basis. <laughs> That's my answer, no. Yeah. Um What I would say about this is it's definitely going to depend on the type of relationship that you have with this person. And I would say how much you've been through together, how long you've known them. And is it a matter of the communication is just really off that's causing, is there a lot of like fighting that's going on? Has it become too hard? Or is it the question of are your interests really kind of going in different directions. Mm-hmm. And I think there is potential there for anyone to go about it in, I guess, whatever way they see fit, which I guess is kind of crappy advice. But um, I can tell you that, for instance, I had a friend that I, we have were friends for many, many years. And it was becoming clear to me that we are, were, we had different, interests. This person was going out a lot. And once upon a time, I was going out a lot with them as well. But I was shifting more into wanting to work on my business. And just when I did have free time to have quality time, not out at the clubs with my friends. And what happened was I expressed this multiple times 
but that wasn't necessarily what the other person's interest was. And so in that case, I made my needs known, I guess I would say, and we did sort of ultimately drift apart. But if there is a situation where there is someone, because I am trying to think of, I know there's situations that I've talked to other people about where there's someone that they find is things, things just aren't working. And this other person just wants to kind of get out of this Mm -hmm. arrangement. I think there is a way to compassionately let someone know that you need space. And I think that's perfectly okay to do that and communicate that in a compassionate way. Um, And just find a way to be real and to communicate that without blaming them in any way, shape or form, but just bringing it back to you and what, what you're needing and wanting in that mm-hmm. time. Yeah. But definitely communicating it. I know that the ghosting seems to be a bit of a, like just suddenly stop texting the person or stop seeing them. And I feel like that can be really hard to understand. Did I do something wrong? And then you start to question conversations or incidents when really it might not even have anything to do with you. It has mm-hmm. more to do with them just feeling like they're in a different place or can't handle, not can't handle, but maybe it's just choosing to have less relationships because they're focusing more on their job or whatever. But I think uh, kind of what you said is just, it really comes down to just communicating, not necessarily just letting it fizzle out or drift away. I'm a big anti-ghost person. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's nothing that drives me crazier than that. But I will say it depends on the type of relationship. If it's someone that, you know, you haven't really known for that long, if you kind of are pulling that sort of drifting away technique, I'm not going to say that's that's all bad. Mm-hmm. Again, it's that case-by-case basis. But Yeah, because I guess if it hasn't been a long-term substantial relationship, then having some big conversation about it might almost seem weird. Like, really? Are we having this conversation? Yeah. Like, and and I mean, I hate to say that in a perfect world, I would love for everyone to communicate openly and compassionately, but that just doesn't necessarily fly with a lot of people. Right. And But yeah, I think if you've known someone for a while mm-hmm. and you they've meant a lot to you, maybe you aren't feeling the love so much anymore, but in the past it was there. I think saying your piece is is appropriate and powerful. And then at that point, taking the steps to distance yourself is okay mm-hmm. because you've been upfront with them about what you need and what you want. And then do you have any away. suggestions? On, I know you've done a lot of reading. So if, if, if nothing's coming up right now, we could always throw it in the show notes after. But do you have any um, reading materials in regards to like nonviolent communication and, and ways to figure out how to have those conversations with people that are a little bit more challenging or maybe about breaking up as a friendship? Like how do you get those words out in a way that is in a compassionate way instead of maybe coming across harsh or choosing instead to just completely disappear because it's awkward and you're not sure how to phrase it, right? <laughs> totally. Definitely. Well, the what set me on this path was being introduced to the work of Marshall B. Rosenberg's Nonviolent Communication. And he has a book. So you can go on Amazon. I think it's like 17 bucks. It's a paperback. It's really easy to read. It's awesome. And I, you know, again, what actually now that you are asking me this, my my brain goes to 
did you give this friend the opportunity to show up in the way that you wanted them to? Because if you haven't communicated in what a way you need. Yeah, what, what you're you, looking what for you need and what you're looking for and you're just frustrated with this person, have you actually given them the chance to alter their behavior in any way? So for instance, something that was recalled by me is I had a friend and I was always, this was a couple of years ago, up until a few years ago, I was chronically 20 minutes late, mm. like always. And finally, this friend of mine, whenever I'd go meet up with this person, eventually they said, hey, you know, I care about you, but I feel really hurt and disrespected when you're showing up 20 minutes late. Would you be willing to show up on time? And I don't think this person knew anything about nonviolent communication, but that was like legit amazing NVC. And I was shocked. Oh my God, yes. I didn't even know I was doing it. I didn't even know that my behavior was a source of hurt and pain for this person. So that is, I think, a few questions to sort of go over in your mind before maybe you take the route of breaking up with this friend. Like, have you actually expressed any, have there been any understanding on expectations of one another or desired behavior or actions when you're together? Or also too, instead of breaking up with a friend, can you shift the kind of friendship that you have? Like, hey, work is taking over as a priority. I still care about you. Would it work for you to meet up for coffee once a month. I know that we've been hanging out a lot more than that, but that's the time that I have available to give. Like, what is that? How does that sound to you? How does that land? Dude, that would be awesome if I got to see my friends once a month. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like that's a fantastic deal. (laughs) But but you're you're right. I think some friendships feels like it requires, like you need to spend a lot of like FaceTime with some. And Mm -hmm. I think part of, as we get older, we realize like logistically, that's just not going to happen, especially as you end up in really serious relationships or you have kids, like getting to see your friends is kind of a scarcity. So, um, I like that idea though, of planning it and having like a standing date with somebody that you do want to maintain a relationship with, but you don't necessarily have the time to do the weekly happy hours and the rave nights and all of that. Yeah. Um, The second question is a similar friendship question. Mm. Uh, How do you talk about jealousy with your friends? As in, you love your friends, but struggle with being jealous for of them for some reason, and it's festering and affecting your relationship. So it could be jealous of their love life, jealous Mm. of their um aesthetically pleasing body in your mind maybe they're super fit or whatever or maybe they have that really cool job where they get to travel and do cool things so how do you um talk about the jealousy with so it sounds like this person wants to be able to communicate Mm -hmm. that like i love you but i struggle with being jealous of you and i'm trying to figure out how to to deal with that wow I think that's a, big one. That's a really <laughs> great question and kudos to whoever wrote that. I think that's I'm, – I'm impressed for putting that out there. That's that awesome. you'd be wanting to even talk to the person about it because a lot of people just let all that simmer. <laughs> totally. So the first step is awareness. So woo, you got that down. That's mm-hmm. awesome and I applaud you for that. And the next – I guess the next bit of what I'm going to say is, again, a take it or leave it situation. Everything I've said tonight is if it vibes with you, cool. And if not, then throw it out. Who cares? Um, What I would say about the jealousy, jealousy is hard. So again, going back to kind of what we talked about earlier, there's nothing wrong with you for feeling jealous. 
We all feel jealous. It's an emotion. And I would, I would encourage you to explore that a little bit. When is this jealousy being activated when you're around this person? Is it just when you're around them or is it kind of when you think about them or is it when you see their social media? What's sort of triggering this? And is it, is it true? Is it true what you're jealous of or is it maybe a just um, – is it, again, you know, just based upon someone's like highlight reel of their social media, the way that they edit their pictures or whatnot or is it really truly that – you know, they've got six-pack abs and, oh, my God, you want six-pack abs, which, <laughs> you know, woo. Um, and, again, like I was talking about with the feeling unlovable, like maybe taking some time to journal about this jealousy. Like, or and, and you can envision if, you, if you're, like, sitting down, you can also envision that um, your jealousy is sitting across from you. Like, hey, what up, jealousy? Like, what do you want me to – like, what do you want to tell me? Like, what – like, is there something – going on inside me that I can connect with or find out more about myself or is jealousy is the jealousy there because this person is doing something that I wish that I was doing and I actually could take action on this and maybe something's holding me back like there's so many different directions this could go in so I kind of see it as spending some time with you and maybe exploring this jealousy and again not in a mindset of shaming yourself, but in a mindset of curiosity. Like, cool, I'm feeling jealous. Awesome. I could journal. I could talk to someone about it. I could meditate. I could envision jealousy in front of me. I can ask jealousy what it needs or whatnot. Explore that. The second piece is the whole talking to the friend about it. What I would what I would advocate for first is to, if you can, spend again, time with yourself, right? So the journaling and maybe the meditation or whatever, or maybe it's just you take a walk around the block without your phone and you just kind of like think about it, right? Or you talk about it with someone that you trust that you feel like would give you kind of a unique perspective. Like maybe they can see the situation a little bit differently and you don't feel triggered when they maybe reflect back to you some of what they're hearing. If you can engage with that, I would say that that's step one. And step two is instead of just going to someone and saying, I feel jealous of certain things when I'm around you, while I applaud the candidness and the authenticity and the ability to be vulnerable in front of someone and admit that you're struggling with these things, I would encourage, is there to zoom out a little bit and just think, is there something that they're doing that is actually irritating you that you want them to actually change? So to make a powerful request of them, and, and maybe this is appropriate and maybe it isn't, I don't know what the situation is, but maybe they, maybe when you get together, they talk about their boyfriend for half the time that you're together every single time. And you're feeling jealous, but also that is something specific that that person is doing that you actually could bring to their attention and make a request like, hey, you know, the the past three times that we've hung out, we've hung out for several hours and for the for our whole dinner conversation when we were at X restaurant or whatnot, you were talking about your boyfriend and 
I felt frustrated and upset because I was, you know, longing and wanting for connection with you and to talk to talk about these other subjects uh, in the future. Could we talk, spend more time talking about a variety of topics and uh, something like that? That's kind of shitty, mm. but kind of like that. So is there a behavior that may be igniting this feeling of jealousy that, again, this person may be able to augment or change in a way that is something that they can actually take action on because going to someone and just saying, hey, I'm, I'm jealous of you, it's going to put them into a position where they don't know what to do because you've given them nothing other than to be open with them, which again, I think is incredible, but what does this person then do with it? Yeah. And so I think step one is curiosity, inward curiosity. And then step two is, is there any behaviors that, you know, you could change when you're together they could change or you could you could make a request of them and go from there. Yeah, because if you just leave it out there with like, oh, and I've definitely had mm, this happen to me many of times. Oh, my God, I am so jealous. You have the coolest life. And you and Jordan are so amazing. <laughs> and oh, my God, I can't believe you're in your 40s. You look so young and fit. How do I get to be like that? And I was like, I don't really know how to answer any of that. Am I supposed to feel bad? Am I supposed to say thank you? I don't really know. <laughs> I kind of get what you're talking about on that for sure. Yeah. I think those are great, great answers. And and actually, we have one more question that I want to have Jordan ask. And, yeah. But I, and I know you're going to laugh and be like, oh, ho, ho, this is cute and sweet, whatever. But I want you to actually answer it. And I think that you can because okay. I, I think that you're See, able. It's the top question. So part of this is like I'm so tempted to say these people's names. No, don't. I, know you don't I know you don't want to right now. Uh, all right. Well, the real question here is, mm. how did you get to be so amazing? <laughs> <laughs> I knew you would laugh. Oh, my God. No, that's a legit question. It's a, I think it's a hard question to answer. It's something that I'm going to ponder on for myself, but I think we should all be able to answer that. Like, how did you get to be this amazing and radiant and glowing and, and thoughtful and loving? How did, how did all this to be do you have any like pinnacle moments that you were like yeah this this helped craft who i am mm. wow i feel like there's so many different ways that i can ask this question i know i'm long-winded so i'm gonna try to summarize it um <laughs> long-winded is just fine yeah. it's just fine okay we have do, no girl. time limits no on time this limits Woo! i would say well one of the things i will say is this is kind of cheese balls, but I really feel like I grew up, like I was born into a great family. I grew up in Kirkland, Washington. I had so many great teachers and coaches and just an all around, I hear about all these kids that got bullied in high school and all of these things. I cannot relate to that at all. And I had tons of friends when I was growing up and played soccer and did musical theater and choir and I had access to all of those things. So I feel like that really set me up for, I guess, the amazingness that is today. Um, and and then moving into, I've usually had a bubbly type of personality, been someone that was generally like happy and optimistic and always kind of encouraging others, even from a young age. I would say there are two pivotal moments in my life that I think have 
been the greatest influences on why I am the way that I am today. And a lot of people, they do say, oh my gosh, you're so positive. You know, you know, how and why and how did you get to be this way, right? Well, growing up, I had a mom that was incredibly negative, passive aggressive, and emotionally abusive. And I didn't really kind of was aware that all of that was going on until I was in my early 20s. And one day I thought, hmm, maybe I should take myself to therapy. And so I did and got to like hash all this out, talk about all of this. And But I'll never forget the moment that I realized that my mom was actually my greatest teacher because being exposed to that when I was young, I didn't want to be that way. I wanted to see the world through rose-colored glasses. I wanted to be positive. I wanted to take action. I wanted to be a go-getter and not feel sorry for myself. I wanted to go out there and shine, right? And, and I was motivated to do so. And then the other really dark time in my life, again, was when I was at Xbox and I was working and became so stressed and lost my light and then slowly found crawled my way out of it through meditation was was the catalyst for this holistic makeover right where i discovered all of these amazing teachers and books and i think i'm incredibly flattered by this person that asked this question <laughs> and i and i'm very grateful to hear this and ultimately i think the trick to unlocking your own amazingness is to bring it back to what Jordan said, is this idea of remaining open, remaining open to people and places and experiences and remaining open to yourself because I'm always changing and my interests and needs are changing every single day. And again, this is, again, cheese balls, but there's this Albert Einstein quote that's, there's two ways to live life. One is to see everything as a miracle or the other is to see nothing as a miracle. And what you can do if you feel stuck or lost is just as simple as getting outside, taking a walk, feeling the sun on your face, acknowledging that it's okay to feel how you feel, and just looking around into who's in your environment or what kind of media you're consuming and finding those things that start to make you feel like a little bit better. And whatever those are, engage with it. Engage with it a little more and a little more and set yourself on this path of discovery, correct? And try new things and new experiences and talk to people. Be curious about yourself and about your own life and what the world has to offer. And you can't really go wrong if you're on that path. That's a pretty awesome answer, if you ask me. <laughs> the path to your amazingness. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for chatting with us. Yeah. I Thank hope you that so we much. get to do this again. I think that we can have many, many conversations. Um, and, and we definitely need to go on a little mushy hike. Definitely. Mushrooms. And not to flip the script here, but I am just so in awe of the two individuals in, in front of me, Jordan Antonellis, watching them grow and evolve over the years has been a delight. And if you do ever want to flip the script, I think I'm a pretty good question asker. So we can, <laughs> oh, that could be I fun. Could, 
Dude, I could I like launch some idea. questions back at you and do a deep dive into oh, Jordan Antonella's life. Let's do it. Let's make a okay. date because we were we were talking about how we're overdue for one where just he and I talk, but it would be really fun if you lead that conversation. Yeah. Asking like. questions is what I do. <laughs> I'm totally down for that. Stay tuned. We've done it before. We've asked each other questions, but I like the idea of someone else entirely. Yeah. Yeah, and you'd okay. be the, you'd be the perfect person for that. I think so. All right, let's get that on the calendar. Sweet. All right. Well, thank you so much. We really appreciate you. Thank you. And thanks for everyone for listening and tune in to Jordan Antonella's podcast. Yeah. Is there anything else that you like want to promote? Anything you got going on? Any workshops? Well, at least tell us your website. I'll, oh, yeah. yeah. We'll put it all in the show notes. Socials. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, well, my website is just my name. So uh, com. So H-R-U-S-K-A. And I have... It's Facebook slash The Millennial Whisperer. And on Instagram, it's at Lauren C. Ruska. And what I would say, uh, what I have going on is I am currently uh, available for, as a, if I'm looking for a few more clients, I have some spots to fill. I'm working with someone right now, and that's going to come to an end. So I have some openings, and I'll be offering a course in the essentials of compassionate communication here maybe in the summer but probably in the fall and feel free anyone who's listening out there uh aside of all of that I love getting to know people I love to chat with anyone wherever you are in the world or get to know people in my community if you want to sit down and have just a fun cup of coffee I love to connect with individuals and yeah thanks for listening and thank you both for having me on the show yeah yeah, if you are a millennial out there and you need to get whispered to, <laughs> or not, you don't have to be a millennial. But you don't have to be a millennial. I'm not no. a millennial, and I have learned a lot from Lauren Russell. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. All right. Well, on that note, peace. Goodbye. Peace. Thanks for listening to the Gravity Lift Podcast with Jordan and Antonella. If you like our show and want to find more, check out our website at gravitylift.space. And when you get a sec, please rate and review us on iTunes to help us spread these vibes far and wide.